as you know, Pastor isn't here, and I said it before. His, um, I know what he would want us to do is continue with the Word of God. And we're about to do that to the best of our ability tonight. So I would like you to um, just be attentive with me. And we will just, it's not going to be long, but I pray that whatever the Lord has in store for us, we will get it tonight. Amen. Amen. Tonight, um, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. Not the entire book. We're just going to look at a part of it. And um, the title of this message is Questioning God. Um, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. And uh, minor prophets just meaning... um, The writing, his contribution is much less than one of the major prophets, which uh, their their writing is a lot more. But I'll just uh, go over like the setting, you know, the time when Habakkuk Habakkuk was uh, prophesying. So um, destruction was coming to Judah. Second Kings twenty one, eleven to twelve. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, had done these abominations and had done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and had made Judah also to sin with idols. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah that whosoever hear it, both ears shall tingle. So, what this is saying is, Manasseh, he was known as the most evil king in Judah. Oftentimes, we hear about um, uh, the prophets of old, and we, we tend to um, mix them up. I mean, there was two separate territories. After, uh, Let me go back to Saul. Saul was the first king. Next, you have uh, David. Then you had Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom was divided in two. And that was God's plan because Solomon did evil, but he didn't remove Solomon at, at the time. So, there were two... Um, Two kingdoms, Judah and only two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, were in that kingdom, which is the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom now was called Israel, and that um, consisted of the other ten tribes. So we're talking about Judah now. So uh, Manasseh, all the kings of Israel there were evil kings none of them were descendants of uh, David but the kings of Judah they were all descendants of David some were evil some were good Manasseh happened to be the most evil one and what he did the Bible said he, he did more wickedly than the Amorites 
and God decided, well, judgment was coming because of the sins of Manasseh. So, um, fast forward a little. Manasseh, he died. His son, his son only reigned for two years. Then comes Josiah. Josiah was the last good king. He did everything that God wanted him to do. He followed in the footsteps of his father, David. The Bible says in Kings 22.2, it was introducing Josiah by saying, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, he raised money to repair the temple, and during the repair, the high priest Hilkanah found the book of the law. When Hilkanah read it to Josiah, the king tore his clothes, a sign of mourning and repentance. So what was happening that time is, during Manasseh and the king after him, his son, nothing was... uh, taught about the Bible, idolatry, their gods, sacrifice their children, they, they did every imaginable evil. The, uh, the book of the law, it was hidden in the church. It, see, they say they, they, uh, they went to repair the temple and found it. Nobody went in the temple. Nobody knew where it was. Nobody was concerned about it. So, you know, if the word of God is not with them, if the presence of God is not with them, then they are continually going to do evil. And that's what they did. So, um, Josiah, he was the one that brought back worship, brought back the presence of God. He did a lot of things. He removed all the groves and the idols and, and he brought back the Passover. He, he did a lot of things. And Second um, Kings 22:19 says, "Because your heart was penitent, are showing sorrow, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place, against its inhabitants." that they should become a desolate and a curse, and you had torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you. So, throughout the Bible, it, it shows that no matter what you do, as a nation, as an individual, if you get a hold of yourself and repent before God, no matter what pending judgment is against you, If you get a hold of yourself and you repent and you ask God for mercy, God will always show mercy. It is so so widespread throughout the the, the Bible that God is merciful. But I think some people, they think it differently. Why would God do this? Because he is merciful. But he has given you so much chance. He has given you so many opportunities before. And it is only when, when it's at the last point now, then that's when he decides to carry out his judgment. Just like a parent, you're not going to um, 
scold your child everything they do. I mean, you're going to talk to them. You're going to warn them. You're going to warn them. But there is that one time that is one time too many. So look at God as our parent. This is how he, he does it. us, the best parent. When Josiah died, Josiah became king of Judah at the age of eight after the assassination of his father, Ammon, and reigned for 31 years. After he died, all the kings after him were evil. He was the last good king. So everyone else, they were evil. So their forefather taught them to worship idol. And it seemed as if they kept this in their heart. They were doing the things that uh, Josiah wanted them to do. Josiah instituted. They started worshiping. They, in, in modern day terms, they come to church. They worship. They say, hi, 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 brother Scarlet. And, you know, they did the right thing. But it appears as if in their heart, they still kept some of that idol worshiping. Because as soon as Josiah died, they started to worship idols again. They started to do the same thing that led them in this position before on a collision course with judgment from God. Um, During that time there was the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a man of God. He was a prophet. He, He constantly prayed and he had a burden. So it's not just he was a, a Christian and, you know, just do the things. He had a burden. This was something that was on him. When he looked out and he saw evil and he prayed for so long for deliverance, but evil seemed to be taking over the place. He, after praying so many times, he had to go to God and question God himself. Um, in addition to leading his people back to idolatry, the king at the time, his name was Jehoiakim, also forced his men to build him a huge palace without paying them for labor. So, you know, they were taking advantage of, he was taking advantage of his people. He was leading them to destruction. So every angle that you could imagine, he, he, he wasn't good for them. So, I want to tell us tonight that we have to be careful that we don't follow the bad advice, the bad things that we see leaders doing. We have to go into the word and be so clear about what the word is telling us that um, if we see our leaders going to the right or going to the left, then this is when we are going to obey God's word and we're not going to go with them because it is easier for someone who is in charge who is influential to lead everybody in the wrong direction if you if you keep a blind eye to what is happening amen <clears throat> Habakkuk was the eighth of 12 minor prophets you have Hosea Joel Amos Obadiah Jonah Micah Nahum Habakkuk Zephaniah Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. We had a way at, at, at school to remember this. Uh, 
Zephaniah, Haggai, Zachariah. <laughs> when you say it that way at school, you remember it. <laughs> so these prophets were minor because if you look, for example, at um, um, Habakkuk, he has only three chapters as opposed to um, one of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel or Daniel, they have a lot of chapters, a lot of, a lot of um, writing they did. The name Habakkuk means to embrace or wrestle. And he came on the scene somewhere at the same time with, with uh, Jeremiah. He existed. It, 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 it is said he's his contemporary. He existed at the same time. They, you know. um, he probably was a priest before he became a prophet. And the reason for that, in um, Habakkuk chapter 3, at the end, um, there is a, it says, to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. And in those days, part of the duty of the Levitical priest was to play the stringed instrument. Habakkuk, he started to uh, preach somewhere about 630 B.C. But um, during the time of, uh, what's his name now? Um, the king that did evil here, he, joy came, right? He, um, that's when he came on the scene. Not much is known about the prophet Habakkuk. Nothing about his family and, and anything like that. But uh, we know that from the writing he was concentrated in Judah. That's where he um, spoke to the people. The book of Habakkuk is a little different from any other book that you would look at because most of the other books when the prophets are going to speak you hear uh, you'll see the writing like this uh, thus saith the Lord you know it, it will talk about that in the book of Habakkuk Habakkuk is strictly um, him questioning God it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and God he asks him some questions and God answers him and based on the answer he's, he's even more um, puzzled. So he asked him some questions again and tried to put some point forth like he's, you know, a, a, an attorney. And God answers him again. So that's what's happening in the, in the book of Habakkuk. He made his complaint before God. And we're going to look at Habakkuk 1, chapter 1, 1 to 4. It says here, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are, are that raise up strife and content. Therefore the law is slackened. And judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth come past about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceeded. This must have been one of the most evil times in, in Judah, 
Wickedness was everywhere. And Habakkuk was seeing this. And he has been praying to God. He has been crying out to God for a long time. He is faithful and he knows the word. But he just feels like God is not listening to him. Nothing is happening. And uh, he kept on crying out to, to God. Habakkuk is baffled by so much violence and wrong. And he, he thought God was doing nothing about it. He complained about the. This is God's holy city, Jerusalem. Nothing is happening. Habakkuk wanted to know why this was happening. Why do you see people continually doing evil and get away with it? He saw violence, wrong, um, destruction and strife, and he could not bear it. If we take a look at the news today, we're going to see something similar to what was happening then. Um, just a few things here I'm going to point out. ISIS. When, you know, in recent times, I don't know if they're trying to make the news or they are so horrific and so violent that when they um, kill anyone, it is the most gruesome thing and they try to put it out so that so that everybody can see. And it's, it's just to drive fear in whoever they are oppose them. When I read the material for this, the Assyrians and the Babylonians did the same thing. They were ruthless. And they would, they would make it a point of their duty to be very evil so that it would frighten their opponent, not to even challenge them. So, we see that happening with ISIS. Years ago, we saw a genocide in Rwanda that killed somewhere close to a million people. There, there was the horrific e- evil that happened in Darfur. Somewhere, what's that, Sudan? That, that horrific thing that happened. And we see killings in school, churches. You know, we see all of this happening. And sometimes we are tempted to question and, and wonder why God allowed this to happen. We are humans. Sometimes we know we're doing right. We come, we, we, we pray, we, we try to do as best as we can. And when, when, you know, when you look out and you see these things happening, you're tempted sometimes to wonder, where is God? What is God doing in all of this? Why are these things happening? We see times after times where the police kill innocent men and nothing happened. Why are these things happening while God does nothing about it? This book is teaching us to trust God. And do not hold back our questions to him. Habakkuk went ahead and questioned God. Just serve God faithfully and make sure that your questions is coming from a sincere heart. Be honest with the questions you have. He will answer you. You might not like the answer that he gives you because you are looking for it a certain way. But his answer will always be correct. And it will be the best answer. 
The book teaches us to run to God and not to man. Habakkuk, when he had these questions, he didn't go to man. He didn't call up his friend and complain to him or question him. Because, I mean, they can sympathize. You can talk as much as you want. But the answer has to come from God. And Habakkuk, he was confident enough to bring all these questions to God. Amen? It is not an accident why this dialogue between Habakkuk and God is in the Bible. Even though Habakkuk is faithful, he still has questions. He couldn't solve everything for himself. Even though we go to church, we hear the word, and we try our best to live a godly life, we have a lot of questions. So the book is telling you, if you have questions, take them to God. Don't feel like you cannot do it. You shouldn't do it. Take them to God. It does not mean we will not have questions. God wanted us to know that we can take our questions to him and he will answer us. Nothing is wrong with having these questions in our mind and asking God. We are not the only um, believer to question God. If you look back at the book of Job, Job questioned God. Job's situation was one where he had everything. He was, the underlying thing is he was faithful, dedicated, a godly man. So he had everything. And he came down to nothing with even sores. You know, his health was threatened right now. And he questioned God. In a state like that, it is easy for someone to, you know, just forget all the goodness that God had done for them and just turn the other way and let loose. You know, just say whatever he wanted to. But what I found interesting here with Job, it said Job, he did. He did have question, but he did not sin. Job 1.22, it says, in all that Job did, um, in, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He did not sin against God. He did not curse God. Or he did not say anything disrespectful. He had questions though. One thing we must remember is that God is sovereign. And we cannot understand him. He, if we understood him totally, then he would not be God. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we cannot think alike. His thoughts are, as it says here, as high as the heaven is from the earth. That is how much more are are how much deeper he's looking into things than us. We we tend to have tunnel vision. We can only see what is before us. He is looking at everything. So when he judges us or when he gives us an answer, it is the true picture, the total picture. It is correct and there is nothing else to it. 
I like this scripture also. It said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. I'm looking at the NIV version. Instead, he's patient with us. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, when Habakkuk saw all of this happening, it was happening for a while. On his watch, it was happening for a long time. And he wanted justice now. You know, sometimes when you're right, you know, you, you feel like you're right. So you just want justice right now. You want, you, you, you want it to, you know, come to, to light right now so everybody can see that you're right. I don't know if that is how he felt, but he was on the right side of God. He was serving God. And he was getting a little impatient because a lot of things was happening that shouldn't happen. But here it says, the Lord is slow in keeping his promise. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish. What a mighty God we serve. There is a problem with questioning God, though. We can question God, but there is a problem with questioning God is that we do it, um, if we do it with a rebellious, untrusting heart, not truly trying to get an answer from God, if we do it that way, then we're not really trying to get an answer. We are um, trying to interrogate God. That is what we are trying to do. If we, if we just, you know, out of frustration, we just come with some questions that, you know, throw some questions at him, not even looking for an answer, just getting something off our chest. <laughs> when we do that, we attack the character of God because God allows something to happen that causes us grief. Probably, you know, something causes us grief. And we just have all kind of questions. Why, God, I'm serving you. Look at those people over there. They don't go to church. They don't do this. They don't do that. And they are living right. Everything seems to be flourishing for them. And I am serving you. I'm getting up, coming to church every morning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And look at all these things that is happening to me. You know, you tend to want to talk that kind of way. You, you know. And you're not, really, you're not really looking for an answer. You're just getting something off your chest. When we question God in that manner, we run the risk of sinning against him. Another thing, we're also saying that, God, you're not doing a good job running the world. I, I probably could do a better job running the world than you. That, that's, that's what we are saying when we do that. One, one, of the, um, one of the things that I read when I was trying to prepare this, it, it went as far as saying, if you get up and criticize the weather, you're actually criticizing God. <laughs> First Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or the height of his structure, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh at the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the heart. So, 
again, when God is um, judging anyone, it's not like us. We look at, you know, what we can see, how you look, how you talk to us, you know, how you hear that you talk to that person, that kind of thing. But God, he sees your heart. He sees everything about you. So his judgment is true. Might not be the way how you thought it should have gone, but God's judgment is true. <clears throat> Habakkuk chapter 1, 5 to 11. Behold you among the heathens, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, I looked up how this is pronounced, Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land, to possess the dwelling place that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of them. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are fiercer than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their, and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasten to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their face shall sop up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, in putting this his power unto his God. So, God told Habakkuk that he would not believe what was about to happen but he had already started putting things in motion so here was Habakkuk looking at the situation and thinking God didn't see this or what is God doing but we must remember the Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro the earth he sees everything nothing passes him but it's because of his mercy that's the reason why he allows certain things to happen, just wanting you to repent and do it right. But Habakkuk now thought he had to speak with him because he wasn't doing anything. But he had already started to put things in place to punish the wicked and deliver the sinners around them. Then God told Habakkuk exactly what he was about to do. He told him before, you know, he said to him, even if I tell you, you're not going to believe. Now he's about to tell him that he was going to use that same wicked nation, that bloodthirsty nation, that evil nation, the Chaldeans, to judge his own people. He was going to use them to judge his people. He had warned them over and over. And I'm thinking that when Josiah became king, that slowed down the, the, um, the whole process because Josiah 
brought back the people to him and they started worshipping him again for those 31 years that he became king. He did everything that was right and pleasing to God. So he gave them another chance. And here is, here is another thing. No matter who it is, when God pronounced judgment on a nation or someone, there's always a prophet somewhere, always someone to give them a word that if they should take that word and repent, they will be saved. So here, God revealed to Habakkuk that he was going to use the, the Chaldeans to judge Judah. And uh, Habakkuk was astonished at the answer God gave him. How could you use the Chaldeans to humiliate us then? How could you use them to humiliate us? These people were known to be cruel. They had no fear of God. And they were, they were Gentiles. God was using the Gentiles to punish his own people. Habakkuk must have been shocked and in disbelief. And they had a trademark, as we talked already. They had a trademark of being cruel, ruthless. So that even drove more fear in, in, in um, Habakkuk here now, you know, in thinking that God is going to use these people to judge Judah. Um, when he heard that, he, he thought, no, that at first he was questioning God and saying, you're not doing anything. But when he heard that, he realized that um, the judgment here now is going to be worse than what was happening before. Because what was happening before is uh, violence, things was going on. But if you're going to get the Chaldeans, these evil, ruthless people in it, it's going to be worse than what was going on before. The, um, the Chaldeans were worse than the Jews in Habakkuk's mind. But in God's mind, how does he see them? God does things in his time and his way while we want things done immediately. Sometimes we pray for deliverance from a situation expecting God to handle it a certain way. When he does not do it how we want it, then we are shocked and sometimes we even believe it's not done properly. So we question in God. We, we, you know, I remember, um, probably the only time I ever testify in church, <laughs> pastor <laughs> told me to stand up and testify. I have a brother in Jamaica and um, he was experiencing a, little, uh, a problem, a real problem, because this guy was a real criminal and he had threatened him. So, you know, every Saturday we come here and we put names and I've always been putting his name there. This time it was special. So um, I asked for deliverance, you know, so some way. I, I couldn't even think of how to this situation to be remedied. 
right? But I put it to God. About two days later, he called me. And he said, do you know what happened? I said, no, what happened? Because I'm thinking that something else happened. Because this guy is a gunman. And he threatened him that any time he sees him, he's going to kill him. He said, this guy went somewhere and tried to hold up somebody. And they killed him. No, when I when I was praying, and I'm sure when everybody else was praying, we, we weren't praying for God to, you know, take this man's life, you know, kill him. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's what happened, you know. We didn't expect it to happen that way, but however God decides to do it, it is just, it is the right way. Praise be unto God. <laughs> There's a question now though. If we look around and see a lot of similarities happening now, like what happened in the days of Habakkuk, who is God raising up to deal with this situation now? He raised up the, the Chaldeans, the ruthless nation, to judge Judah. Who is he raising up in this generation to deal with what is going on now? Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so many things that happen in the days of Habakkuk that are similar to what is happening today. Leaders are leading us astray. Violence, hate one another, evil, killing for pleasure. He did it so many times before in the Old Testament with Israel when they forsook him. Um, in Israel, God raised up, even before, before he told them he would raise up the Chaldeans, he raised up other um, nations to judge his people because they did exactly what he didn't want them to do. So here again, in Habakkuk 1, 12 to 17. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore look at thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devour the man that is more righteous than, than he, and make it men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping thing that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag, because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their nets and not spear continually to slay the nation? Habakkuk responded to God. He reminded God that since he is eternal, then his people, here is, here is how Habakkuk is positioning his question to God now. He's questioning God some more, but he's saying to him, um, you are eternal. 
and if you are eternal, your people are going to live forever and serve you. You have made promises to David that he will, his seed will continue to be on the throne. You have made promises to Abraham that um, you will bless him and he will multiply. So if you raise up the Chaldeans against your people, the Chaldeans are going to wipe them out. So your prophecy, your word is not going to come to pass. This is how he's questioning God and trying to put this to God, trying to get, you know, change his mind or putting his, his uh, views across. Um, Genesis 49.10, um, that's a prophecy that he, he um, he's one of the prophecies that he's referring to where the Bible says, the, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Silo come, and unto him shall the gathering of his people be. This is, this is um, a prophecy that is saying, that is talking about the, the lawgiver, the king, will always be from the house of, of Judah, and um, David's throne will always he, he will always have a man from David's lineage on the throne uh, um, Jeremiah 33:17 says for this is what the Lord says David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne in Israel nor will the Levite Levitical priest even fail to have a man to stand before me continually so that's the prophecy or one of the prophecies there um, he's referring to he also reminded God of the covenant he made with Abraham that he would father a great nation. So if all of these um, um, covenant, these promises that you, you make, then if you use these people, they are going to wipe out uh, the nation. So none of these prophecies can be fulfilled. He argued with God again that he would have to change his plans because he is a righteous God and cannot stand evil. He could not use an evil nation like the Chaldeans to destroy his chosen people because it was not in God's character to do so. He thought God was too righteous to use unrighteous means. Um, to judge Judah. God had warned his people that if they disobeyed him, he would turn them over to their enemies, and he did. So, this, this goes way back. This goes way back. We see in Judges, um, we see right after, right after Moses, well, right after Joshua died, in Judges, we see that happening over and over. So, God has used that means um, many times before. Here, uh, Psalm 145.8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. 
Lamentation 3.22-23 It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And the final one with this now, God is long-suffering. Long-suffering here is um, it's talking about self-restraint. When one is stirred to anger. So, he exercised a lot of self-restraint. Even though, you know, he sees his people called by his name go right back to idolatry. Doing the things, the very things that he doesn't want them to do. That he told them, if you do this, this is what is going to happen. So, he's, he exercised a lot of um, restraint. Before he actually punishes them. The third argument. The third um, question. That Habakkuk questioned God. He says. In reference to the scripture there. He says you made people like fish in the sea. Like animals in the, in the sea. That have no rule. Um. Habakkuk argued with God that he is using idolaters. Um, so God should not use them against his own people who are much better than them. He describes the people of Judah as defenseless victims of abuse. He urged, he, sorry, he argued that the wicked Babylonians would cast out their nets and catch his people like fishes, and pull them in from the sea. When they were finished, because they don't trust in God, they would give thanks to the nets that they used to pull in the fishes. So he's putting all of this forward to God and say, you're going to use this kind of people, these people, to judge your own people, these people who are idolaters. They, don't, they, they, they will never give you glory. They'll never give you the honor. They'll rather praise their nets because it's the nets that you know got in the fishes but when all of this was going on if you remember when I started I said uh, Israel was divided into the northern kingdom which was Israel and the southern kingdom which was Judah by this time Israel was already in captivity by the Assyrians because all their kings were evil so because of that um, what was the king's name Ahab and Jezebel those were the time that they sank the lowest and God, God kept warning them that he was going to bring a nation to, to um, remove them and he did he sent the, Syri the Assyrians there and they took them and take them back to Mesopotamia. And sometimes you might hear people talk about the last tribes of Israel, the ten last tribes, the ten tribes that were in the northern kingdom. Those were referred to as the, um, the, the, the ten last tribes because they took them away. While the difference with Judah, they eventually took them away for 70 years and they came back and built the wall and 
restarted there. They replaced the northern kingdom with their people who they brought in from elsewhere. Amen? Um, we're only going over a part of Habakkuk. Even though it's three chapters, you know, it would take some time. So this is possibly part one. Finally, Habakkuk started out wrestling and questioning God. But in the end, he ended up praising God. That's a lesson for us. Sometimes we, 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 we start out like that. But when we, the, the closer we get to God, the more we get to know God, is the more we realize that we are supposed to thank him for whatever happened. Because it is because of his mercy and his love that we are alive and we have a chance. Amen?